down the TV rabbit hole again. My name is Jim Sion. He's Harry Bartosiak, the number one, number one attorney in Chicago. And Harry, I apologize. You celebrated a birthday about a week ago, right? Pleasant good day to you, Jim. I certainly did. Uh, as Jack Benny would say, I turned 39 again. Yes, indeed. Yes, 39 is the great punchline whenever, whenever you have a birthday. But let me ask you this. Did you have a good birthday? Did the kids give you a nice presence? What happened? I, you know, uh, when your birthday falls on a Wednesday and you're over the hill <laughs> and the kids are older, it's right. a very cold and dark and lonely time. <laughs> but other than that, it was great. Oh, come on. It. No, what did you guys <laughs> go out for a pizza or something? Did you do anything? No, no. But like I said, stop, stop rubbing it in, okay? No, it I was, was trying terrible. to, I was, was trying horrible. to endear Awful. you to the audience. I wanted to hear you say, oh, yeah, we, we went and watched our favorite movie or we went and played our favorite putt-putt golf place, but... But you just kind of stayed home, really? Well, to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. let's see. Yeah, uh, nope, I didn't do a damn thing. Oh. I'm sorry. Well, you know? you know, all right. You've exposed me. I mean, no. look, I'm sitting in a bedroom broadcasting with a microphone in a coffee can right now. <laughs> I don't live a very glamorous life. Last year for my birthday, I didn't even answer the phone. I, I went to a bar. I, went to, I think I went to the casino. And, I, you know, I just said, it's over. It's done. Good. Let's move on. Honest to God, uh, I'm just happy to be alive. So that, that, was, uh, that was all I needed for that particular day. So, but thank you for the birthday greetings. Well, you're happy to be alive because we're going down the TV rabbit hole again. And the last episode we did, and I know people probably don't listen to these chronologically, and they won't be released I chronologically. But, but the last one we did, we had so much fun. However, when we got done, I thought of my next show, and I'm like, oh, my God, I think this one's going to be even better. Are you excited? I am, but you say this every week, so you're really amping it up, so suck it to me. No, no, no. I'm going to let you go first, because I went first oh. last time. I know you have a good right. one, so here's Harry Bartosiak in Chicago going down the TV rabbit hole. What do you got? Well, I do have a good one, and as a matter of fact, I say this every week, but this happens to be one of my all-time favorites. Good. Okay? So let's say the year is 1976. And uh, you're going to sit down to watch TV, and the first thing that comes on the screen is a picture of a desk with some playing cards, and the telephone rings. Ring, ring. Okay. Hi, this is Jim Rockford. Uh, Leave me your number, and I'll get back to you. <clears throat> Hello? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hire you to see if somebody really has leukemia or not. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Jim, it's Shirley at the cleaners. You know that brown jacket? The one I said looks so great on you? Your favorite? We lost it. And then one of the greatest TV theme songs of all times begins. The Rockford Files with that's James great. Garner. Oh, that's great. One of my favorite shows. A classic. I yeah. You know, um, I would say... Uh, First of all, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, I watched The Rockford Files when it was on. It was on from 1974 to 1980. So pretty much the whole damn run, I watched, you know, not every episode, but uh, a lot of them. And always liked it. I always thought it combined. I, I love a good private detective show. And the thing about The Rockford Files was it didn't take itself seriously at all. Right. But it was a drama. But, you know, he was tongue-in-cheek. James Garner had been an actor in Maverick and was very popular. That was a you know, Wild West show, I think, in the 50s and 60s. And 
that was his thing. He's kind of a tough guy, but but an everyman friendly, you know, tongue in cheek, don't take yourself too seriously. And that was Jim Rockford, the private investigator. Thing about Rockford was, you know, some of the old detectives of the past, like the Philip Marlowe types and, uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart, Art Patak, nobody knows who he is, but <laughs> the, would, would have like a glamorous kind of setup, you know, with the, the hat and the uh, long-legged secretary and the sure. mysterious office and fancy car. Well, Rockford was the, kind of the opposite of that. He lived in a trailer, you know, down by the beach. Uh, very unsuccessful, didn't, basically just trying to make enough money to pay the bills and go fishing with his dad and right. maybe have a few beers and watch football. That's all he wanted to do. Wore clothes that were like off the rack, you know, plaid jacket and shirt. Very, um, and you know, uh, as far as, it wasn't a tough guy at all. Was plenty tough. Right. He would get in fights like every show, but, but he didn't want to. Right, you know, exactly. Very reluctant. He, yes, exactly. Yeah. I love that. It was like, oh, geez. Anytime it started to go down, you could tell that, oh, God, he would do anything to get out of the fight. But if there was a fight, yeah. okay, he'd do it. He'd do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He did, and so he always ended up getting in the fight, but he tried his damnedest to talk his way out of it. And um, so the show sets up where he's this kind of unsuccessful private eye, and he, you know, he gets jobs because otherwise they wouldn't have a show. Right. Matter of fact, his standard, you remember, uh, you watched the Rockford Files, right? Of course, so yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to hire a Jim Rockford, do you remember what it would cost, uh, what his standard uh, fee was? No, I don't remember that. $200 a day plus expenses. Wow. That, that was his standard. And he didn't always get that. Surprise, surprise. Right. Uh, but he lived in the trailer, and uh, instead of having a, a gorgeous secretary, he had uh, his dad was always around, uh, Rocky, who was an ex-truck driver, and he called Jim Sonny, and they'd go fishing together, played by an actor named Noah Berry. Uh, and I think... Uh, Noah Berry was a well-known character actor. You recognize him if you've seen him. You remember from the show. And uh, so then also uh, part of the cast, the regular kind of comic relief uh, stool pigeon friend of uh, Rockford was a guy named uh, Angel, uh, played by Stuart Margolin. In the show, Jim Rockford had served time in San Quentin for a crime he didn't commit, of course. Right. And his cellmate for the period of time was Angel. So this guy, Stuart Margolin, was always, he would sell his mother for uh, a plug nickel. And so he was always supposedly, you know, uh, helping Jim Rockford out. Rockford would need him to get information on the streets and things like that. And then he'd end up screwing things up and get, you know, selling out Rockford and getting him in trouble. But anyway, he, he, he was kind of comic relief. Gretchen Corbett, this woman, blonde-haired woman you might remember, was fairly attractive, played Beth Davenport, a lawyer who had sometimes loved interest of uh, Rockford. Well, but finally, basically, finally we get a girl in the show. I was going to say, I remember a girl every now and then, especially... There were girls, yes. And he was, you know, attractive with the ladies. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, to the ladies, uh, but very... You know, non-committal. This is this is the way. You know, he was was. Uh, he's not hooking up with anybody anytime soon. Uh, permanent on a permanent kind of basis. The guy lives in a trailer. You know, he barely makes any money. Uh, he gets beat up a couple of times a week minimum. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, in real life, one of the interesting things is that uh, Garner. This role took such a toll on him. He had to quit in 1979. You know, I remember uh, reading that. Yeah. Because he, well, he physically actually was getting beat up on the show. 
He said that in the time that he did the Rockford Files, he had seven knee operations. Yes. Except for one season, every single season, he had a knee operation in the, in the, in the off season, so to speak, after, yeah. after shooting the show. Um, he had bleeding ulcers. He had uh, all manner of uh, orthopedic injuries uh, that didn't require surgery. But one of the things he said that people don't realize is that to shoot an hour show for several years takes a tremendous toll on your back, too, because you're standing around almost all day long for 15 hours or more. Sure. And this, it sounds like, you know, a wimpy thing to complain about, but apparently uh, it took a tremendous toll on him. His back was just completely shot, and the doctors told him, you have to quit. And so the studio immediately sued him because he... He and the studio butted heads a lot. This wasn't the first time they threatened to sue him. After season two, they threatened to sue him when he had to quit uh, because he blew out his knee. He didn't quit, but he had to take a, a little bit of a break. And immediately they thought he was bullshitting for more money and threatened to sue him and fire everybody. So he had to continue to work and screwed up his knee further. He tells the tale that Universal uh, was tr horrible, horrible, horrible to work for. And as a matter of fact, they screwed... Uh, him out of a lot of money because what he what he did was he cut a deal where when they were going to film the show he used his production company Cherokee Productions he had a couple other partners in that and they would get all the they would rent the equipment themselves the trucks the cameras they bought a car every year I'll get to the car in a minute my mm -hmm. favorite part uh, they didn't want to use any of Universal's equipment because he said basically this stuff was shit the trucks broke down all the time. Uh, and they charged a fortune for it. And then w what happened was uh, Garner, I almost call him Rockford because they're like one and the same person almost, he had 37% of the profits written into his contract, okay. which was hard to do. So what they did was they said, well, there ain't going to be any profits. And they would like anything that they needed to do, like if they needed to get some props, you know, they'd charge them $7,000 for a fishing crate or something like that. Right. And so they said by the end that this show was losing like nine million bucks a year, something crazy like that. And uh, after the show, right when the show ended, then um, Rockford, I mean, there I go again, James Garner hired a lawyer, sued Universal, and ended up, uh, he, I guess he couldn't disclose how much uh, he got paid, but settled on the courthouse steps for a massive amount of money. Good for him. Basically caught them red-handed, yeah. Garner, back to the injuries, I mean, he did almost all of his own stunts. He had a stuntman dub doubled for the really bad ones, but he did, you know, took the tumbles, jumped off the cliffs, and he drove the car. And the car was absolutely my favorite car. If I had to go back and if I had to pick one sort of extra car to have that I didn't have to use for day to, you know, going to work every day, right. it wouldn't be a Corvette, wouldn't be a Lamborghini. It would be a 1970, 70, somewhere between 70 and 75 Pontiac Firebird. Sure. Goldish brown, Rockford Files style, tan interior. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing is, he drove that car and did all the car stunts in it, and he even invented a stunt called the Rockford, which was basically, it wasn't invented, but what it was was going fast in the car, about 35 miles an hour, which is not that fast, but for what he was about to do is fast, and then jerking it into reverse and then peeling out in reverse, like doing a reverse 180. Um, and so every year they bought a new car because they would basically trash 
well, the car. Well, sure. Here. Well, of course, if you're if you're in drive and you're going 35 miles an hour and you throw it into <laughs> reverse, I mean, the transmission should have fallen out. Yeah. So uh, I'm surprised it didn't. But anyway, um, uh, but they got to 1977 or 78. The last two years of the show, they didn't buy a new car okay. because they changed the, mod, the the look of it, and he didn't like that. So he stuck with. The you, you, he stuck with it, uh, the old one. They they kept it another couple of years, fixed it up or whatever. So then um, the show is canceled because he couldn't take it anymore. I mean, the guy was so he actually was so stressed out at the end that he separated from his wife. Not because they didn't love each other, but this is what he says. But basically, he had to go like he had to go like detox himself from acting for a while. He was so stressed out by this whole thing. Well, that's that's so um, strange to me, and I know you're right, because I did read a, a version of this story, but you would think when you watch that show, they're joking around, and sure, he gets in fights and stuff, but I just couldn't imagine it being that stressful. Be? Right. But I'm sure yeah. a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff was probably a contributing right. factor. Probably. So, uh, that's 1980, and then he does the whole lawsuit thing and everything, and then guess what? Do you think they're done with the Rockford Files? At Hell that point? no. What would your Come guess on. That, listen, <laughs> if, if there's another peach on that tree, someone's going to go back and pick it. <laughs> right. But this time, I'm not opposed to it. Because usually I am, you know, voraciously opposed to reboots. And this time, they did not one, not two, but eight TV movies. Cool. Rockford movies. I don't remember them being that many. But from 1994 to, wait, was it? I might be a little off on my figures here. Oh, yeah, 1994. I think the last one was 1996. So they did a shitload of movies there. But that's 15 um, years. That's 15 years after the show ended. Wow. That's a long time. Back to why he had to quit the show. Um, I guess he, he not only was he beat up so bad, that it was such a hard thing to do these one-hour shows that James Arness, he said basically he had to mail it in the last 10 years he was on Gunsmoke. Oh, my God. He couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. Everybody did the whole thing, and he came in like one day a week for a couple hours and just, boom, shot the scenes. Now, that might take some independent verification. I read this in uh, James Garner's uh, biography. I'm sure he's not putting complete trash information out there, but uh, that seems... Ten years, just a couple hours a, a week, I don't know. But anyway, uh, another guy that had trouble was David Soule from Starsky and Hutch. Had to go, damn near had a nervous breakdown after the second season, had to go into the hospital. And David Jansen had such a hard time with it, with uh, The Fugitive and later Harry O. It was, became, a, I don't know if it was all the whole complete cause, but he died at age 48. He said... Garner knew him very well and said he was basically just shelled out by the whole experience. It, 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 it wreaked havoc on him, and he was a major alcohol, drank too much, and died. Well, I'll tell you, it, for, and I only have limited, limited experience when it comes to doing, and I've never actually been in a 30-minute or one-hour TV show, but uh, I did a show called PM Magazine back when I was in Decatur, which is no oh, big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember. But Sure. It, it, there's so much hurry up in wait because you get there and you yeah. do it once and then you do it twice and then you do it another six times and then the director wants it cut from a different angle. And even with stand-ins that will be there to do the lighting and, you know, they've got everything ready, but still, it is a long, tedious, boring process. So I get it 100%. James Garner, around the time of Rockford Files, was in some commercials for Polaroid. Remember those? Yes, very well. 
Yeah. I was just thinking about those the other day. Those were good commercials. Sure. He was there with Marriott Hartley, and uh, they would have banter back and forth, you know, and there would be a commercial for every season, for the right. Christmas season, for the summer, for you name it. Um, and their banter back and forth was, it was seemed like they were husband and wife. And I remember, and I, I researched and remembered what happened. I was, Marriott Hartley got hassled so much, she actually ended up walking around in a T-shirt some that said, uh, I am not Mrs. James Garner. I heard that, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was all in good fun. But they had such good chemistry that uh, uh, people thought that they were married. Well, you know, Marietta Hartley was so good in those commercials. And this was the mid-'80s when the Today Show was having trouble, when Deborah Norville came in and Jane Pauley had left and they hadn't found Katie Couric yet. They actually uh -huh. brought in Marietta Hartley because she was so good in the commercials and they thought she had such good personality. They brought her in as like a guest host for the Today Show. And they said, oh, she's no going to be great. Yeah, they said, oh, wow, she's so good in the commercials. She's going to be great. Then they get her there and they realize um, she really doesn't know that much about current events. And, oh, boy, she's really not that good when she's not reading from a script. And they uh -huh. they're like, oh, gee, well, this was kind of a mistake. So, uh, so she, I think oh. she did one week and that was it. Well, TV Guide had a thing where they ranked the top 50 TV shows of all time. And you know what those lists are worth, but uh, they ranked Rockford Files 39. So wow. if, uh, and TV Guide is, uh, you know, uh, kind of an eminent uh, uh, publication. They've been around forever, and if they're saying that you're deserving to be in the top 40, let alone the top 50, that's pretty damn good. James Gardner and the Rockford Files, a classic show. Harry? Thank you for picking that one. I wouldn't have picked it. I wouldn't have thought about it. But again, you surprised me. Good job. Well, now can we get to yours and see what you have up your sleeve that you claim every week is the best one yet? And you're usually right. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say NBC 1972 to 1977. And I love it because there are so many great stories that surround it. It was the number two show for the season in 1973 and 1974. It was second only to All in the Family. I'm talking about S-A-N-F-O-R-D, period, Sanford oh. and Stein. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The big one. He's at, it's the big one. I'm coming to join you. And you know where he got that? His mother used to do that. He stole that from his mom. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh. Oh, I got so much well, information. It, first of all, let me just get through the, the nuts and bolts. Uh, it was a mid-season replacement in 1972 and the first season the entire first season and granted it was only 13 episodes as opposed to you know 26 but every episode that first season when it started to become a hit was written by Aaron Rubin do you remember him Aaron Rubin's no I do not he wrote a lot of the Andy Griffith show episodes really yeah. okay that's interesting now I had heard that uh did he create the show? Because I had heard that it was supposed to be about two Jewish guys uh, originally. Well, and then they switched it. Actually, it was going to be two Italian guys originally. Okay. Yeah. Now, it started, it was actually a show in Britain called Steptoe and Son. Obviously, the two stars were Red Fox and Damon Wilson. They played Fred and Lamont, obviously, as many people remember. But five seasons, very successful. And um, I have so much information here, I don't want to miss anything. But uh, Oh, Go ahead. Can I tell you something about Lamont? Please. Yeah. One time I was working on a real estate file. Uh, you know, I'm an attorney for a living, and I got a file where um, 
this guy was buying a property in Lamont, Illinois, which, as you know, is a real town. Yes. Uh, and the house was on Red Fox Lane. So what are the chances wow. of that? Wow. Holy cow. That's crazy. <laughs> now, do you, know, do, you, do you know Red Fox's real name? Uh, I, no. Is it Steptoe? No, you're so close. It's John Elroy Sanford. R- now that's an amazing fact. I can't believe that I, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that till like a couple of days ago. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You you would have thought we would have known that. But isn't that great? <laughs> and and is that a tie-in with the show? I mean, or was that just a coincidence? No, no, it wasn't a coincidence. His brother's name, and I think his father's name was Fred Sanford. So he just picked that name and, and used it, which oh, okay. I think brilliant, so brilliant. He didn't just read for the part and say, you're going to play Fred Sanford. Hey, that, that happens to be my brother's name. That would be listen. amazing coincidence. <laughs> yeah. All right, now. Here, oh, why? Now, you remember that, uh, obviously, Fred Sanford, how old do you think he was on the show? If you were to guess, how old of a man was he portraying? I always thought that he must be like 65. Yeah, he was only 49 when they started the show. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Fred, That's insane. he became very popular, and I know you know this, but in the 1950s and, early, and through the 60s, actually, he did a lot of those what they called party albums because he was a stand-up comedian on the Chitlin circuit, and they say he did over 50 albums where it's just basically a bunch of dirty, no, not dirty, filthy jokes yeah, my mother told me I couldn't listen to him because it was a filthy mouth comedian. Oh, yeah. No, he was probably as filthy as you could get in the 50s and 60s. Worse than Lenny Bruce? Yeah. Oh, way worse than Lenny Bruce. Yeah, because all his jokes had to do with, with women's vaginas and, and, uh, and hmm. ethnic stuff where he wouldn't, he wouldn't say black. He'd use the N-word. Um, uh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and, and even now, and I have one uh, somewhere in the house. I think it's called uh, Red Fox. I can still see the cover. It's a green cover, and people can Google it. I think it's called L-A-F-F Party. I think that's it, Laugh Party. And even now, you you listen to it, and you're like, this is really, I I feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's as dirty as it gets. Wow. I I knew at the time he had a soiled reputation, no no pun intended, a really bad reputation. Uh, like I said, my I was uh, the 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 moral arbiters in my house were my parents. You know, usually my mom telling me like, "Don't watch Three's Company" or "That Red Fox has a filthy mouth" or something like that. And she made a big point about uh, him. And then uh, you know, so I'm not surprised to hear that. I knew that, but uh, it 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 uh, let's say informed my watching of the show. I loved the show, but as a kid, it was always in the back of my mind like, "This, this is the guy that swears a lot." Well, and the thing is, yeah. he. And obviously, he's doing network TV. The language had to be as clean as it could be. But he still, it was still very racially insensitive. For instance, Fred, uh, uh, Red Fox and Pat Morita were good friends. Did you know that? Uh, Mr. Miyagi, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, he was on the show several times. That's right. Yes. Do you remember the name of his character? No, I don't. The name of Pat Morita's character was Ah Chu. Oh, my God. Okay. But, I mean, you couldn't get away with that now, for God's sake. No, you couldn't. No. I, I drop by, like Red asks, and there's nothing in the script. And uh, so he says, uh, Pat Maroney, 
Pet Petra Nooney, Pet Petri, uh, Mickey Rooney, one of them little short guys. This <laughs> is my pal. Write something for him. So they scurry around. They write a little, a s small piece of a character where I'm I'm uh, Demond Wilson's, uh, the son's uh, good friend, kind of a pal. The episode opens and I'm Demond is hurt his back uh, helping uh, unload the old pickup or something and I'm propping him up and Red walks in and some uh, these aren't the words but but par paraphrasing is how many times I tell you not to hang out with them kind of people you're gonna get the yellow fever <laughs> so during rehearsals I said yeah well then what you got the black plague <laughs> so you can't do that kind of humor to today anymore. Much. And I don't re really remember it being much of a racial thing on the show. I mean, well, you know, the characters right. were African American, yeah. but other than that, I don't remember. No, jokes no, no. Being... All right, let me let me fast forward. Well, I'm not saying that two. didn't happen. I'm just yeah. Go no, ahead. and I didn't remember it either until about five years ago when I'm going through the cable channels, and I see the screen of the the truck turning the corner, and I see written by Richard Pryor. And Paul Mooney. Now, obviously, you know Pryor. Do you remember Paul Mooney? Paul Mooney. The name is awful familiar, but I, uh, I'm sure if I saw a picture of him that I remember. Yeah, he's a good-looking African-American comedian. He was on Chappelle's show, I guess. He was featured there. He, he did. Never saw it. Now, if you saw a picture of him, you'd know it. Very successful, still alive, still in the business, still doing real well. But together, the two of them wrote episode 11 of season two. And I'm going to go ahead and I, I want to read, here. here's the exact plot synops, uh, synopsis according to uh, Wikipedia. A husband seeking old flame of Fred's returns with a shocking revelation about her daughter, who has sparked a flaming passion in Lamont's heart. Basically, this old flame comes and says, Fred, uh, it's good to see you again. Lamont goes out with the daughter. While Lamont is out with the daughter, Janet Dubois, who is playing the old flame, says, Fred, uh, the girl that Lamont's out with, that's actually your daughter. So right now, Lamont is in the car making out with his sister. Oh. And, I mean, okay. and, and it turns out that the two girls, it, it, the, the girl's not really Lamont's daughter, or, or Fred's daughter, pardon me. The, 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 the girl is not Fred's daughter. Turns out both of the girls were scam artists just trying to get Fred's estate, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you, he was such a wealthy man. <laughs> But but, dealer. Yeah. but in this episode, and I say this with absolutely no ill intentions, I'm just quoting what was in the episode. They use the word nigger, and they use the word to describe a smoking jacket that he was gifted, Fred was gifted. He says, take this faggoty jacket with you. He's on TV, they on, said this. And, you, and right now, and I actually went and I Googled it to make sure I remembered correctly, but yes, they said this on TV. It was the end of 1972. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. Yeah. These weren't the. Uh, that wasn't an episode that they were showing me on Channel 32 in 1981, or two, when I'm doing my homework uh, at night. Uh, they, they must have pulled that one by then, because I don't ever remember seeing. Well, that. I saw it five years ago, and I think it was on BET, and they didn't bleep it. They didn't change hmm. it. They didn't edit it. And like I say, it's shocking to me. I know it was shocking to me. That's why I had to go back and make sure I was right. Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. God. Well, okay. Now yeah. I, I sent you a text and, and of course, Sanford and Son was a huge hit. 
Um, and I loved it, and I still enjoy it when it comes on. You can still watch it and, and get a lot of laughs from it. But uh, yeah. but hey, Rick, are we going to talk about Grady or Rallo? Well, that's what I was going to say. He hired oh, yeah. a lot of his friends. Uh, Don Bexley, he played Bubba. Uh, of course, uh, Grady was played hey, by Fred. Yeah, Whitman Mayo. You remember yeah. his Grady? These oh, were yeah. all Fred's buddies from the Chitlin circuit, guys he had worked with over the years. Uh, LaWanda Page, uh, of course, who played. Fred Sanford, you fish-eyed fool. And Esther, of course. She was actually a dancer back like, and she was, she, <laughs> no, she was never good looking, but she, she was, was harsh looking. Oh, man. Even then she was harsh looking, but she was uh, long, leggy and slim. And you could see how she could be a dancer. Um, I suppose. Yeah. Remember what Fred said about how ugly she was? No. Esther, you're so ugly. I could take some dough and put it on your face and make gorilla cookies. <laughs> I do remember that. That's a great. See, I'm still laughing at that. That's a funny line. Well, of course, Fred hired a lot of his friends and guys that he got along with. Now, I'm going to ask you to go to your phone because uh, I sent mm -hmm. you I sent you part of a script that I remember from one of the shows that they did. And I think you'll derive a lot of pleasure from this. I could have played you the clip, but I'd rather have us do it together. Um, do you have that text I sent you with the script from Sanford uh. and Son? I do. Okay. All right. So basically, it's very simple. It's only two lines. Uh, I know my lines by heart. And uh, what you do is, is they're, on, uh, they're on an airplane. Fred and Lamont are on an airplane. And Fred says this. You go. Excuse me. Are you the pilot? Yes. How long until we land in Hawaii? I don't know. We've never made it. <laughs> and that, of course, is a great Frank Nelson who did like six guest spots on there. He did six. Oh, six yeah. Six guest spots. Oh, yeah. And he, of course, just like on the Jack Benny show, he played that same obnoxious character, but he's hilarious each time. You can oh. Google him, you can see them all. Someone's got them back to back on YouTube. Now, when did he die, Frank Nelson? You know? 1986. 1986. Okay. What about Red Fox? If I had a guess, could I venture a guess on Please. what he passed on? Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that he passed away in 1994. 1991. Damn. Well, I wasn't all that no. far. And you know the story, and I'll let you tell the story about how he died. He, he had the big one. He had the big <laughs> one. He was coming down the stairs. I'm coming to join you. Coming to join you, Elizabeth. Jo you're joking, but that's, I mean, he was on the set of The Royal Family, the sitcom he was doing. This was 1991. Della Reese was the co-star. And you remember? Oh, I forgot. Oh, you you forgotten this because you told me this yes. story like twenty years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm just vaguely. Go ahead, yeah. pinch my memory on this. Well, one. He, he was doing, and it, you can still see some of the footage. He was doing an interview with Entertainment Tonight backstage, talking about the show, and then they go on stage and they start filming or videotaping, whichever format they used. And they get done with the scene, and Fred's like, "Oh God, I don't feel good." Oh, and he like goes to one knee. And the crew's like, Fred, come on. That's an old bit. Well, you know, that's your, your old material, man. Well, come on. What? And he says, no, get my wife. Get my wife. Those were his last words, I think. And finally they realized, hey, he's not doing the bit. Oh, my God. He's in trouble. And uh, sure enough, they tried to revive him. They brought him to the hospital, but it was, it was too late. He passed away in 91. That's horrible. I know. But the crew was like, oh, come on, Fred. Ah, oh, geez, that's old material, man. We've seen that before. What are you doing? No one yeah. thinks that's Well, funny. you know, the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, oh, my God. Now, do you well, know, I don't think they'd be able to do anything about it anyway. But uh, Yeah. Now, do you, do you know who almost played Lamont? 
African-American star of the early 1970s, good-looking guy. He also died way too young. The guy's name was Cleavon Little. Cleavon Little? Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought he lived... Oh, I was thinking of Clifton Davis. <laughs> Cleavon no. Little. Cleavon Little. I he, don't recall him. Yes, you do. He was in Blazing Saddles. I thought that was Clifton Davis. <laughs> no. Clifton Davis was on That's My, That's My Mama. Hmm. Okay. All right, Google them. You'll All right, see. we'll they, see. They both. I'm way up. They I mean, both. Have I ever watched TV in my life? I don't think so. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Now, the, the, one of the reasons I picked Sanford and Son, there are so many great stories that were going on behind the scenes. First of all, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Red Fox had a lot of trouble with the network, kind of like a, 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 you know James. What Carter a shocker! Did. Yeah. <laughs> well, he actually walked out halfway through the the season. I think uh, what year was it? Seventy four or seventy three, seventy four. He walked out. He wanted more money. He got more money, but he was still having problems with the network. And then he leaves. The show ends in 1977 because he signed a new contract to do the Red Fox Comedy Hour. Do you remember that? It was on ABC. Very vaguely. I'm just embarrassed at my lack of recollection of all this, but go ahead. Well, the Red Fox Comedy Hour, it was on ABC. They debuted in the fall. And according to all the reviews and from what I've seen, because you can Google it, and there are only about a half a dozen clips from the show that are on YouTube, but they were very, very funny. And, of course, Fred's doing his thing where he's hiring his old cronies. He hires Slappy White. Um, He hired, of course, uh, Bill Saluga. You remember him? No, I don't. Well, he didn't go by Bill. (laughs) (laughs) He had another name. His name was Raymond J. Johnson Jr., but you can call him Ray, or you can call him Jay, or you can call him Johnny, or you can call him Sonny. Or you can call me Johnny, or you can call me Ray J, or you can call me RJ, or you can call me RJJ, or you can call me RJJ Jr. But he doesn't have to call call him Johnson. Okay, this brings up... uh, (laughs) question of critical importance <laughs> yes what was that and uh, who thought that was funny nobody knows i mean <laughs> and that guy got so much mileage out of that it must have been like a year and a half period of time you know how you give your 15 minutes of fame right he had way too long and where they just made that into that it, it reminds me of that bud light ad i love you man you know like like i never thought that was funny and it was on for like two years that you doesn't have to call. You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. That guy, the little guy with the mustache, running around for about a year and a half, and there's nobody thinks that's funny. At least, <laughs> but I, people I, did laugh at. I'll, it. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Did the you truth. like it? Well, no. At the time, I thought it was corny, and I really didn't get it. But now, when you Google it, and there is a great clip, well, a very good clip, of Red Fox in a horrible toupee playing a band leader, and he brings on. Uh, Raymond J. Johnson Jr., and he does his bit, and it's pretty funny, but then next to him is Billy Barty. And, <laughs> and so Fred says... <laughs> one midget in Hollywood. And Fred says to, uh, to Bill Saluga, is Ray J. Johnson, he says, who's that guy? Your half-brother? <laughs> Which, of course you could. <laughs> and then Billy Barty does a Ray J. Johnson Jr. You gotta Google it. It's worth it. It's on YouTube, and All I, right. I promise you, if you don't laugh, at least you'll smile. Getting back to the Red Fox Comedy Hour, it was critically acclaimed. Uh, it, it was doing well in the ratings from what I can tell, but ABC canceled it after half a season. In the meantime, and this is all kind of concurrent, NBC says, you know what? 
Sanford and Son was a huge hit, although it did fall to number 26 in the fifth season, and I think they had moved. What year are we at right now? We're in 77. Uh, it made okay. it, actually, it would have been 78, I guess, when they, they tried to keep Sanford and Son going, and they started the show called The Sanford Arms. Remember that one? I do. I was just about to say, wasn't there a Sam? Didn't Sanford Son continue with a different guy in the Red Fox role? Yeah, they just eliminated Red and they brought a, a young actor, and I don't have his name down here, but they had the whole rest of the cast. LaWanda Page, Whitman Mayo is Grady, Don Bexley is Bubba. They brought in a couple of kids because, you know, kids are funny. And they started yeah. the Sanford Jumped Arms. The yeah. Oh, it, it, the show was so bad. They, they had who, eight. Who, they had eight yeah. episodes ordered. They only aired four, but it's worth a Google because, and I'm not exaggerating here, it has probably, with the exception of the new Andy Griffith show, the worst show opening and theme song of all time. Oh, my God. That's hard to do. Yeah. It, they didn't use that. They didn't use the old Sanford theme. No, but they used like a variation of it. Uh, it was a little oh. slower paced. Trust me, I always say it's worth a Google. This one's worth a Google because it is so lame that you could. You, it's one of those shows where if you saw the open, you're like, I don't even think I'm going to watch the show. If the if the show is this bad, is as bad as the open, I'm not going to watch it. And nobody did. It got canceled after four seasons. Right. <laughs> okay, so let me wow. go back here real quick. Um, in the 1976 season, when Sanford and Son was still on, they actually spun off the Whitman Mayo character Grady. And he had his own show. No. Yes, yes. No, he didn't. It was, That's, you're I making swear that God, It was called Grady. It made it 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Again, I, I Googled it, and I watched about four minutes, and I'm like, yeah, I can see why it got canceled. Just terrible. Terrible. What was Lamont's name again? Desmond Wilson? Yes, Desmond. I was going to say Desmond Howard. <laughs> Desmond Wilson. Heisman winner. Um, so he's alive, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but... Uh, According to Larry King, uh, DeMond Wilson was the worst interview he's ever done in his entire life. DeMond. DeMond. I'm sorry. That, yeah, DeMond. That's saying a lot. Now, does he say why? Yeah, because I think you know this. Uh, after he did Sanford and Son, and then he got a deal to do a show called Baby on Back on CBS. I don't remember that. I just remember the bad Odd Couple um, remake that he was in. That's right. But, uh, well, go ahead. Shortly yeah, thereafter, baby, I'm back. Yeah, shortly yeah. thereafter, whether it was after Odd Couple or after Baby, I'm back, he became an ordained minister, and all he wants to talk about is the Lord, which is great. But he just talks about all the places he speaks and all the groups that he's encouraged to 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 find the Lord. And Larry King, I guess, tried to get him to talk a little bit about Sanford and Son, and he wouldn't have any of it. So. That's probably the reason Larry called him the worst interview he's ever had. Yeah, what the hell are you doing on the show then? That, if so, I get that. Let's fast forward to 1980 because the ABC show, the Red Fox Comedy Hour, has been canceled. So for, uh, Red Fox is, is a free agent. So NBC says, hey, you know what? Let's bring back Sanford and Son. Well, DeMond Wilson wanted nothing to do with it because he was doing Baby I'm Back on CBS. And he and in, in, in Red Fox didn't get along all that great. They had good chemistry on uh -huh. the air. They didn't get along that well off the air. But NBC says, let's bring the show back. We'll call it Sanford. And this is 1980 to 1981. They actually produced oh. 26 episodes. But Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and do you remember who Lamont was? No. He was a big, fat, white guy named Cal Pettit. I remember that now. They, yeah. 
Guy, Why did they do that? Well, here was a deal. It was He was played by a guy named Dennis Berkeley, and Damon Wilson didn't want to do it. So Cal Pettit, the character, was a guy who supposedly had been working with Lamont on the Alaskan pipeline. And as Lamont went there and worked, and in the storyline, he was still working on the pipeline, Cal Pettit came back to the States. Well, of course, Alaska's a state, so that's probably the wrong term. But Cal Pettit comes back to California, and he lives with Fred, and he becomes Fred's right-hand man. And so it's like the opposites play off of each other gag, basically. Yeah, instead of dummy gags, it was fat gags. Um, yeah, I don't know if white they... guy gags. Yeah, get fat. Exactly. Dummy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So in they used the same theme song. Obviously, they they had different images behind it. They had, as a matter of fact, the beginning of the show. They start it with the, the familiar theme, but Fred's standing by the truck, and he's dancing with a mop. That's the start of the show. That's the beginning of the opening. Okay. 26 episodes. It's not included in the syndication package for Sanford and Son. Every now and then, you can catch one or two episodes on an obscure cable network, but it's really... I always say it's worth a Google. This one is not worth a Google. There's just nothing. It's not? About. No, it's, it's just not funny. It's not funny. What about Bubba, uh, Rollo, and Grady in this one? Uh, I think they, they show up intermittently, but even the great Whitman Mayo couldn't save this show. Now, did I ever tell you the Red Fox cab story from Las Vegas? No. Okay. Is this when he pulled up to a venture needing antifreeze or something? No, 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 no. This, is, this, this happened because Red Fox was a big comedian in Las Vegas, even before... I think he was the first black man, the first African-American to headline a Vegas casino in the 1960s. So he was big in Vegas through Sanford and Son, well after Sanford and Son. And this story comes from the 80s and early 90s. Of course, he died in 91. But when Red Fox Mm -hmm. played in Las Vegas, he would get in a cab because, you know, nobody drives in Las Vegas. He'd get in a cab. They'd take him wherever he was going. And the cabbie would say, that'll be $12. He goes, no, 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 I ain't paying. So what do you mean? You're not paying. He says, no, no, no. He says, from now on, you can tell people you had the great red fox in your cab. So th- that's going to be a great story that entertains people and, and, and it'll get you a bigger tip. You can tell red fox stories. He says, so I'm not paying. Cabby's like, you're not paying. He says, no, you had the great red fox in your cab. You can tell that story. And he'd get out. Well, <laughs> this got around. And so red fox could never get a cab. <laughs> that's so good what he would do is when he's leaving the hotel he'd tell the the doorman or the concierge or whatever hey man get me a cab so they'd get him a cab and then red would dash into the cab go, oh damn it oh no not red fox oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good he doesn't sound like all that nice of a guy no he was very difficult and very filthy uh there, there are stories about uh about how they tried to get him i think it was sanford and son they tried to get him on the set. He wasn't there. They went back to his dressing room, and uh, they found him uh, uh, under the skirt of a girl. And he said, can a man relax around here? Can a man get a break? So, I mean, it, yeah, he, he was kind of vulgar. and Well, not kind of. He was very vulgar and very disagreeable. Although, if you were his friend, you know, he treated you well. Times were different back then, but I sure as hell enjoyed the show. It well, was excellent. Well, during the show, Damon Wilson admits that he was high most of the time. And he actually, at that point, had a $1,000 a week cocaine habit. That's a, that's a heavy-duty habit, 1000 bucks a week. And you know who he says sold him his pot? And I'm not making no. this up, because I found this. In, and Now, granted, allegedly. Uncle Joe from Petticoat Junction? No, Aunt Esther. 
Aunt no Esther, way, really? According to, oh. according to LaWanda Page, she laughs about it, but she said, no, 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 I, I never got into the hard stuff, which makes you realize. And you got to remember, marijuana in the African-American community, I mean, back in the 20s, Louis Armstrong and his musicians, they all smoked marijuana. Uh, oh, and, for sure. And, yeah. and they, used to write, uh, they used to write songs. There's a song called Muggles. It's a 1920s jazz song. I think it was written by Lewis. And Muggles was a slang term for pot. Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. I mean, I don't even know if it's pot smoking and uh, other drugs that TV was limited to Afri African-Americans at all, especially in the 70s and 80s. Well, God, it probably goes on nowadays, too. But uh, it doesn't seem all that surprising that he was, you know, smoking up during the show. There wasn't all that much for Lamont to do. He didn't really have many lines, you know. Yeah, he could be high. Hey, Pops, was. what's up? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, to end this segment, can, can we do it again? Can you go back to your phone and do the script one more time? Because I think I can do a better reading. Oh, you got it. All right, get the script, because I, 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 I think I might edit the other one out and just put this one in, because I think this one will be better. So you go first. Okay. Excuse me, are you the pilot? Yes. How long until we land in Hawaii? I don't know. We've never made it. <laughs> yeah, I think that one was better. <laughs> That's good. Very good. The Rockford Files, wow. Sanford and Son, two classic shows that are still good to this day. Thanks for picking the Rockford Files, man. That was a great one. Well, I thank you for taking us down memory lane with Sanford and Son, and I have to say that I had almost no memory of all this stuff, but now it's come rushing back. I appreciate it. Good show. And good times. No, that's a different show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, great time going over these tonight. Thanks a lot, Jim. So long now. All righty, as Harry might say, this is Jim back with the corrections. And thankfully, we don't have that many this week. First of all, we should mention that Sanford and Son was created by Norman Lear. And in 73 and 74, Norman Lear actually had the top two shows on the air, ratings-wise. All in the Family, number one, and Sanford and Son, number two. Maverick was on from 1957 to 1962. The comedy record that I was talking about that I have of Red Fox, it's called The Laugh of the Party, and you can still find it. You can still find it on eBay. I think you can even download it from a couple of sites. When Fred Sanford, and that's another thing I should mention, <laughs> many times in the podcast, I called Red Fox Fred. Just like Harry was calling James Gardner Rockford. So I apologize for that. It's Red Fox who played Fred Sanford. Although I called him Fred, I think, through the whole podcast. But uh, when Red Fox left Sanford and Son and they did the Sanford Arms, uh, uh, an actor named Theodore Wilson, who's very familiar to a lot of people, he was an old army buddy of Fred's who came in and took over the house and turned it into the Sanford Arms. And let's see, the last thing I want to correct... Oh, we were talking about Noah Beery Jr., who was on the Rockford Files. It's actually Beery and not Barry. And his uncle was Wallace Beery, a classic film actor from the 30s and 40s. As a matter of fact, Wallace Beery won the Oscar in 1931. So that's important to correct. As far as the lineage goes, Wallace Beery was the uncle of the guy from the Rockford Files, Noah Beery Jr., Oh, and by the way, you didn't have to call him Noah Beery Jr. You could have called him BB, or you could have called him No Boy, or you could have called him NB, or you could have called him Junior. 